Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown and beyond. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Good morning. It is Monday, November 7th, five minutes after 10 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Sometimes I do things to Rob just to see if I can get get him going, get him charged up. Oh, no. Like last night when I texted you the picture of our governor in his Halloween costume. Yeah, that onesie. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So he was at his Halloween party and he dressed up like Ralphie from A Christmas Story. Mm. He had on the pink bunny suit. Right. And uh, his wife was the leg lamp. And uh, I I thought maybe you would give me a better comment than what you did. Can you read what I said? (laughs) I can. Do you want me to? Whatever you'd like to do. It's half your show. (laughs) You just said. You've already just put me in a terrible mood because we're talking about (laughs) Eric Holcomb. So whatever. Let's go. Uh, You said alpha male at its finest. That's what you said. I, th- th- I thought it was a creative costume by the Holcombs. I mean, you know, the, the story takes place in northern Indiana, so that was kind of a nod to the mm-hmm. home state. Oh, yeah. You didn't like it. Though. Well, I just, I don't like anything about that guy. Like, I just, I don't, I just, there is nothing about Eric Holcomb that you would look at me and I would say that is a very, in terms of his governance now, things he may have done in his personal life, I don't know. But in terms of his governance, what he has done to this state, the way he divided people, the way he insulted people, the way he manipulated people, the way he lied to people, the way he destroyed people, there is nothing redeeming about Eric Holcomb's, when it comes to his governance, that I find remotely humorous or amusing or anything. You know when I think of Eric Holcomb, what I think of? I think of my friend who had to start the OnlyFans account to pay her bills because Eric Holcomb uh, shut down the bar that she worked at, and because of the way the system was set up, she couldn't get the benefits. That's what I think of when I think of Eric Holcomb. So no, nothing amusing about Eric Holcomb. He's planning, well, actually, he's already there. It's his fifth overseas trip of the year. This time, he's attending a UN climate conference in Egypt, and this is a ritzy resort town in northern Africa. Delegates from around 200 200 countries have agreed to discuss compensating poor nations for damage linked to global warming. Now, he's there with the state secretary of commerce, Brad Chambers. They're going to be part of this uh, Indiana delegation. They arrived in Egypt yesterday. They're returning back to Indiana on November 12th. So, yes, the governor of Indiana is out of town with midterms. Well, and and I will calmly say this since I've had my little rant. Mm -hmm. Uh, And look, I freely admit when it comes to Holcomb, it's personal to me. (laughs) <laughs> because I, I didn't personally lose my job because of Eric Holcomb. I'm sure he would have loved to make me lose my job, but thankfully we're overseen and governed by the federal government and not uh, and not Eric, Eric Holcomb or the state of Indiana. But I saw what he did to my friends and my and the people that I care about, and it broke my heart. Mm-hmm. Like it broke my heart to see this guy who so flippantly and arrogantly, destroyed our state and he never suffered at all. He never lost a paycheck. He didn't lose any benefits, didn't lose his home, didn't lose a business. The check just kept rolling in. So I freely admit, like when we talk about this guy, 
I loathe him and his governance and what he did to people. That being said, there is something weird about a guy being a governor, and I'm trying to take all of my personal bias out of this and have a calm discussion about this, because I think this is a big deal. There is something very bizarre about a governor who has all sorts of issues inside of his own state. And I'm not even talking about the the idea of, you know, hey, taxes are too high or the spending's too big. I'm talking about real world issues in terms of Hoosiers wages and the ed, and the education gap, not creating jobs that keep up with with inflation, et cetera. We are in big trouble in this state in terms of the buying power and the quality of life for many Indiana residents. And there is something very weird about a governor who has a serious fetish. That's what it is, right? I mean, he's left the country, what, 14 times during his governorship? about A weird fetish about going to other countries, not just other states, but to other countries to attract jobs that either attract foreign workers with those jobs or workers from out of state and do very little to benefit the lives of the 7 million plus people who he was elected to serve. I find that very, very bizarre and... It doesn't benefit me at all because the taxes almost never go down. They certainly go up quite a bit, and government spending just keeps going up. So it's not like you're saying, well, Rob, all of these businesses, look, you have no state income tax, or we've totally reformed property taxes, or whatever. That isn't, there's no benefit in this for me. There's no benefit in this for you. There's no benefit in this for Kevin. He gets to go on, air quote, free trips and pal around with people overseas, but we don't get any benefit out of this. Yeah, he's made four previous economic development trips this year, including to Germany and Switzerland last month. He went to the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland in May. He made two trips in the spring that took him to Sweden, Great Britain, Monaco, Slovakia, and also Israel. I mean, am I I wrong to say that there is something bizarre about a governor who has serious issues here at home? He has serious issues both in terms of quality of life and in terms of the governance of the state that can be addressed and should be addressed. Mm-hmm. And yet he spends his time not just out of the, it's clearly he covets like he loves Eric Holcomb loves to get out of the United States of America and he's hanging his hat on climate change? Mm -hmm. He's on his way. He tweeted out, I'm on my way to Egypt and am honored to be the first Indiana governor to represent our state at the COP27. Building relationships while in Northern Africa will benefit the global energy transition and show the world how Hoosiers are leading the way. And compare and contrast this to say how Ron DeSantis has handled Florida. Where... Uh, no, no, no. I just just one instance because obviously it's night and day and it's it's not even close. But I'm talking about a very specific thing because you mentioned it, he's going to be out of the country for mm-hmm. the midterms. Mm-hmm. Ron DeSantis at great political risk because he's up for re-election. Yeah, Holcomb's not even up for re-election. He's term limited. Wade into these school board races because he recognized, hey, the public education system has turned into a gigantic indoctrination factory that is infecting kids with radical liberalism that is molding and warping their minds for a generation or more until they get into the real world and figure it out. And it rests, the power structure of this rests at the school board level. And he's been endorsing people, campaigning for people, Mm -hmm. helping people. 
our governor, not only is he not helping any of these conservative, liberty-minded school board candidates in places like Fishers and Carmel and Brownsburg and, and Avon, He's meeting with the teachers' unions. He's not meeting with any of these people. He's doing. Holcomb goes out of his way to do nothing to help better the situation here, but will literally go halfway around the world mm-hmm. to go to a meeting on climate change. Yeah, I believe it was just this weekend that Florida outlawed puberty blockers. Uh, just it is a very and weird federally funded sex but, change but, operation. But, but this is but this is the Republican Party. He is the face and the leader of the Republican Party in Indiana, and that is the Republican Party as a collective. Do nothing to help the people. Do nothing to help the candidates who are trying to help the people. But will fly to Africa. You know what? You mentioned your friend in the OnlyFans page, and the thing that makes me very upset when I think about what happened in 2020 is uh, my daughter was the grad of the graduating class of 2020 yeah. you know where it happened it happened virtually on the couch yeah. when they read her name i mean imagine that you're spending all of these years putting your child through school and it culminates in the big day graduation where did it happen from the family room yeah awesome and it was and you know what was going on in florida they had graduations sure. and did everyone die in florida no was there some mass? No, they hospital- had in-person learning. Was there some mass hospitalization where everybody, the hospitals were overwhelmed with people? Did that you lived there? Did that did that happen? No. And 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 then think of and again, I, look all bravado or whatever aside. This I'm not trying to make this about me for once, but I sent him. And look, I did it in a way that was designed to provoke a response because I do things to draw attention to things. But I sent him. 10 very valid questions mm-hmm. that I think every person, the hundreds of thousands of people who every day listen to this radio station want to know. And what do I get as a response? It would not serve Hoosiers well. Right. That's what he thinks of you. Eric Holcomb thinks, and his words, not mine, he thinks Malik Muhammad was noble. You're a human Petri dish. And it would not serve Hoosiers well to answer any of these questions about the things he's done. That's your governor. It is 15 minutes after 10. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And the former founder, well, I guess he'll always be the founder, the founder of Twitter, is now apologizing for what Elon Musk has done to Twitter. And Twitter making big changes. So we have that on the way. And also trending stories on 93 WIBC. 19 minutes after 10 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Trending this hour, Ken Griffin. He is a Republican mega donor, and he says that it is time to move on from Trump, and he has now backed DeSantis for 2024. And by back, I mean financially. Yeah, he uh, he has given, I think he is third in terms of individual donors this year. George Soros is number one. I can't remember who's number two, but I just just read an article about this, that he's given over $60 million. And so uh, that is someone that I would like to be friends with. <laughs> Especially if you're running for office, yes. because he will open up his wallet. Also trending, the Academy Awards host. The uh, Oscars have introduced their 95th host. It will be Jimmy Kimmel. Apparently, they don't want viewers. Okay, so so serious question, and you know this because you were in the television industry. Mm-hmm. Within five years, will the Academy Awards still be 
broadcast on network television? Because mm. I assume they're still on network television. It is. It's going to be on ABC okay. on March 12th at 8 o'clock. Good question. So, so uh, Yeah, the- no, if ratings keep falling like they have consecutively over years, they will lose advertisers and then it will be on a secondary platform. Right, because and, and you know this better than anyone. TV looks at, at the cost to do something mm-hmm. versus the return. And the return mm-hmm. can be two things. It can either be, and it's usually a mixture of both, ratings mm-hmm. or dollars behind it. Usually mm-hmm. those two things go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Academy Awards has got to be an incredibly expensive thing to put Broadca- on, to, to broadcast. Yeah. Versus if it's not if it's not even not pulling better ratings, but pulling worse ratings than a Sunday night sitcom. Why would you do that? Uh, I guess they're hoping for a, a one time shot. Like it'll be that one show that will bring in big ratings, but we've seen the ratings before and dominating television up and down is football. Yeah. And and there's no magic about television. There's really safe for maybe like a top gun that comes out. There's no magic for the most part at the movies anymore either. It used to be like, I remember as a kid, California, Hollywood, whatever seemed like it was a gajillion miles away Mm -hmm. and those people lived some sort of bizarre almost mars-like life that it was like wow wouldn't it be funny to pull the veil back on that and look into that well because of the internet now we see these people all the time Mm -hmm. they're everywhere Mm -hmm. they're photographed all the time they're accessible which means they're also not special exactly and there's so many options now in terms Mm -hmm. of all these streaming platforms in addition to the like regular network television Mm -hmm. there's there's nothing special about movies or television anymore. Yeah, and people say, well, the pie's getting split up more. No, the pie has gotten bigger. Yeah. And there's just more to go around. Also trending, Oprah Winfrey. Oh, you know, last sure. week we told you how she was backing John Fetterman. Yes. Well, this morning she is endorsing another candidate. This time it is Texas governor candidate Betta O'Rourke. <laughs> So You're she, kidding. Is she, no, I'm not You're kidding. kidding. No, I'm not kidding. She's picking the winners, huh? It, isn't this wild? And again, it is. We talk about, you just said something being special. So when Oprah came out in 2008 for Obama, right, that was a big deal because mm-hmm. Oprah before had never been outwardly political. Right. And largely, for at least for a period of time, she went back in a little cocoon or whatever. <laughs> and then, so it made it, it made it special, right? Because- Okay, Oprah is this sort of bigger than politics figure who has always interviewed Republicans and Democrats and has always been kind of above the fray. And now she's engaged and this guy's different. And, you know, so whatever. Now, when you just start shilling for anyone next with a D next to their name and they're terrible candidates. Yeah. Fetterman and now O'Rourke? They're terrible candidates. Like these are not. And they're probably both going to lose. And here's the interesting thing. She vetted Oz, had him on her show. Yeah, I just it's a weird thing, isn't it? And then just turned her back on Yeah, it. it's a weird thing. It's interesting. 24 minutes after 10, and let's talk about Jack Dorsey and his apology for the mess with Elon Musk in regards to Twitter. He said, folks at Twitter past and present are strong and resilient. They will always find a way, no matter how difficult the moment. I realize many are angry with me. I owe the responsibility for why everyone is in this situation. I grew the company size too quickly. I apologize for that. Of course, Elon Musk wasting no time in reshaping 
reshaping Twitter's workforce. He cut about half of the company's 7,500 employees on Friday. But now they are walking that back just a bit. Elon now has come out and said, eh, we actually, we need some of you people back. But what, but what is he sorry, sorry for? If, I guess if he's sorry that it's not a liberal, a bastion of liberal hate where Republican speech is stymied. I mean, my Twitter experience has changed not at all since Elon Musk took Musk took over. Other than I have it's a lot, more entertaining. Well, and I have a lot more followers mm-hmm. now because people are getting back on the platform who who went away or coming for the first time. So thank you for that. But look, if it's about laying people off, he's laying people off because Twitter is a cesspool of liberalism, and many of the liberal advertisers don't want to be a part of it. Well, okay, then it's the liberal advertisers who are costing those people their jobs, not Elon Musk. Elon Musk, like any business owner, is under no obligation. And, you know, I noticed Jack Dorsey hasn't offered to open his wallet yet and give any of those uh, hundreds of millions of dollars he made off the sale of Twitter to these poor people who are being affected. I noticed he's not uh, stepping up in that department. He's now beta testing a new Twitter. Oh, it's sure. called Blue Sky. And other platforms to challenge Twitter are starting to popping up. One is called Mastodon. The other is called Tribal Social. There, isn't this fascinating that the left now finds themselves in the same predicament that the right did a year and a half, two years ago, where now there's Parler, now there's Truth Social. Look, it's like Coke and Pepsi. You can have, and, and the sports betting industry is going through this right now, too, where the, all these, when, when sports betting started getting legalized, mm-hmm. all these apps started you know, right, popping, popping up. up yeah. And now all these apps have either gone away, not all of them, but many of them have either gone away or been bought up by the two mega players, which is DraftKings and FanDuel. And it's like Coke and Pepsi, there's not going to be a gajillion apps because the point of the app is to be seen. And for now, it's Twitter, it's Facebook. I mean, I get that there's Instagram, et cetera. But in terms of the most name brand recognizable social media apps, it's Twitter, it's Facebook. Mm -hmm. It's going to be Twitter and Facebook for quite a while. Now, Twitter's layoffs were necessary, according to Musk, because the company is losing more than $4 million a day. And now he is saying people will have to pay for the blue checkmark fee. Let's take a quick listen. And I think, but I think that there is an answer to that, which is to to get um, as many uh, regular users of Twitter to um, be a, a subscriber for eight dollars a month, and you'll get a lot more than just the blue check mark for eight dollars a month, because now we can afford long form video, long long audio podcasts, um, and we can also start sharing revenue with with content creators, which is essential. Um, give them a chance to make money. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, so. I mean, right now, if you're on Twitter, you'll see, you'll see a lot of links posted to YouTube and, and TikTok. Um, and that's because, at least until now, Twitter has not allowed, even given them enough video length to post their video. Um, and then they give the, the content creators no means of monetizing the video. So we're going to change that rapidly um, at Twitter. It's going to be transformative. But, but if we can get enough verified users, and we're going to prioritize um, Twitter search, replies, uh, mentions um, by verified users first. Okay, so he's saying that the $8 a month for the verification will start after the midterms. Of course, this is really wrecking AOC. Maybe we should start a GoFundMe page for her. And you know who deserves a blue check mark? Kurt Darling. Darling and the news. <laughs> and that's coming up next. It's 93 WIBC. 
Oh, we off the Costanza? Did you make an executive decision? Last time you were on the fence about playing it, it seemed that way. I think we should let the public decide. I like mixing it up. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, it's half your show. You know, I'm very pro-woman in the workforce. So 317-684-8444. That's the phone number. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail with your questions, comments, smart remarks, whatever you've got on your mind, we do appreciate hearing from you. And again, the overwhelming number of calls were related to this Indiana Secretary of State's race, Diego, these allegations that he may have illegally voted in 2018 when he was running for Congress. And one person asked a great question, and I'm going to let's just play the call first, because, again, it comes back to people are blaming me (laughs) if Diego doesn't win. And I keep telling them no one loves themselves more than me, but a radio broadcaster is not at fault if a candidate doesn't earn votes. It's the fault of the candidate. And this person asked a great question related to that. Go ahead. Hey, Rob, just sitting here. I'm curious, once again, I think I may have asked this a while back, but who are the people that actually picked Diego Morales? What, what, can, is there any way you can get us those names or the body of legislatures <laughs> or whoever they are, the Republican Party or whoever picked Diego in the first place? And has anybody ever investigated or called them and asked them, why would you pick this guy? What is... What is behind this? There's something not right. It's just too fishy. Could you please find out and let us know, as listeners are curious, how he ever got here in the first place? What delegates put him in there? How did they do it? What's the purpose? They have to be embarrassed. That's all I can say. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Love your show. Well, we'll do it right now. Mm -hmm. Is that all right? Yeah. So a couple things people need to remember about Diego, which is that Diego has wanted to be in public office for a very long time. It's why much of his career was not as a state worker that he was like, you know, uh, uh, working in state government in the sense of he was always working for the office holder. Right. It was Todd Rokita. Mm-hmm. It was Mike Sodrell. Mm-hmm. I believe he worked for Becky Skillman when she was lieutenant governor for a very brief period of time. Charlie White, Mike Pence. He was doing this because he wanted to be a player and he wanted to be in public office. And in 2018, he tried to run for secretary of state. He then quickly realized he was going to get beaten into the dirt by Connie Lawson, and so he backpedaled out of that. Okay, no harm, no foul. Well, like, a few weeks later, now I'm running for Congress. And it comes back to the thing we talked about, Casey, which is we should demand people who run for public office because they think they would be good at something, not because they're a person in search of an office. Mm -hmm. You can't say... I mean, now he learned from Todd Rokita, and we'll play that audio for you here later about how Todd Rokita taught him everything he knows. But this is what people like to, why Todd, people like Todd Rokita drive me crazy. I would be the best Secretary of State. I would be the best Congressman. I would be the best Senator. I would be the best Attorney. No, you wouldn't be the best at any of them. Period. But it's but pick something pick because one. because you would be good at it because you have an expertise in this or a background in this or you bring this to the table. Mm-hmm. So. We were warning people ahead of convention on this show, and Casey was here by then and could vouch for it, not to vote for Diego, because that's what Diego is. 
Diego is a guy who was littered with flaws, who were known, these flaws were known, they weren't unknown, who was desperately in search of an office at the expense of everything else. And the delegates, so Diego was picked at the Republican State Convention this uh, this June, mm-hmm. this past June, and he was picked by people who run for public office to be delegates. It was the second round of voting, right? Yes, that's correct. So on your primary ballot this past May, at the end of your ballot, you had a list of people who were running for state delegate, and you maybe voted for some of those people, maybe you left it blank. Those people who were elected delegate then went to the Republican State Convention and voted, not all of them, obviously, but the majority of them voted for Diego on the second ballot. Mm -hmm. And this is why when people come at me about being critical of Diego, dude, (laughs) we were telling you this stuff in April. We were telling you this stuff in May. We were telling you this stuff in June. Abdul and I were way, rockets, red glare, lots of bombs in the air. Mm -hmm. We were saying this much of the same stuff we were saying today. We were telling you this beforehand, saying do not nominate this guy. This guy is a colossal disaster waiting to happen. Everybody who knows the guy or has been around the guy knows many of these things. Not all of them that have come out, but many of them. And the delegates were so desperate to send an anti-Holcomb message. And this is where Holcomb's to blame on this. Because Holcomb conveniently, Connie Lawson conveniently in the middle of her term decided to quit, which meant Holcomb got to make the pick, Mm -hmm. which meant it was Holly Sullivan, who was also a total stooge. So the delegates said, well, we've got to send a message to Holcomb that we're not, this is about the lockdowns, this is about the mandates, this is about all of these things. It's not going to be Holly Holly Sullivan. And we are not going to take Holly Sullivan. And we always said, I always said, okay, fine, but there's another highly qualified person running who is not an activist, he is not, you know, a conservative stalwart, but you really don't need nor should you want that in the Secretary of State's office because it is an administrator of the will of the Indiana General Assembly, and that guy was David Shelton, who is a, was a clerk in Knox County who literally his job was to administer elections, and he had won an award for catching voter fraud. Mm-hmm. And many, many, like 60 of his fellow county clerks across the state said, this guy is uber competent, we endorse him, we support him. If you're wanting someone who will fairly administer elections, this is your guy. But David wasn't an activist. And the Republicans at the convention wanted the most activisty person or whatever. And Diego is great at going to the rubber chicken dinners and handing plates out to people mm-hmm. and smiling and whatever. And this is what you get. Mm-hmm. You the Republican Party, I have I I I hold nothing back on Diego. And the Republican delegates are to blame because you had a super competent person in David Shelton who didn't get the job, didn't get the nomination because he wasn't activist enough. This is a creation of the Republican Party. Everybody is to blame on it. Diego is most to blame. Holcomb is to blame. The delegates are to blame. This is a disaster of their own creation. Okay, so the short answer would be... The delegates. That's right. Who you voted for. <laughs> well, maybe you didn't vote for him. But, All right. Do we have another phone yes, call? Yes, we have another phone call uh, about someone and how they voted in the Secretary of State's race. Hey, Randall, Casey, Rob. Uh, I enjoy the show very much. And, Rob, I just want you to know, I know Benny will want you to run for governor. I uh, just let you know, if you run, you have my vote. Uh, definitely with this Secretary of State race, I am not voting for Diego Morales. And in the Senate race, I am not voting for the Duke of Spendingburg, Todd Young. Uh, I am voting for James Seniak, and I'm a Republican myself. Uh, so, anyways, love what you guys are doing. Keep up the good work. 
Well, you cannot run for governor because we need you right here. Yeah, I'm, I am not. Uh, Your now, time is now, not now, coming. Now, look, here's what I will say, and this is not about me, but I will say this about as a broad swath, okay? So, so many people would say, well, the libertarian doesn't have a chance to win, so I'm not going to waste my vote on them. When in reality, if all the people who, air quote, wasted their vote did vote for the libertarian, they would have a good chance to win. But that's beside the point. If you want good people to give you another option, if that is really the goal here of people, then the number one way to do that, take me out of the equation, mm -hmm. good people who would be good candidates who bring a lot to the table are far more apt to start running if the libertarians have primary ballot access after this year. And that only happens if Jeff Moore gets the 10%. Mm -hmm. Good people are going to look at what happens tomorrow and are going to say, look, if the Libertarians are now consistently a 10% party, which they would be, Rainwater got an 11 and a half. If Jeff gets more than 10, you now have a third party who is a consistent double-digit party. Good people will start coming out of the woodwork because now they are viable. That is why this is, this is so important. So it's not about me. I'm not running for governor in two years. Not going to happen. I enjoy this way too much. But good people, not just governor, but all these other offices will start doing it if you if you give them reason to believe they are viable in that in that process. You know, and a lot of people have been saying to you and on social media, well, you know, I I don't I'm not going to vote for more because I don't want Destiny Wells to win. And I don't want a Democrat to win Secretary of State because I'm pro-life and we don't have the same agreement. Yeah. Secretary of State is not making policy in regards to that. So this is the chance that you can vote for someone yep. who's not a Republican and it will send that message to the Republican Party without affecting legislation. And look, look and this is one person's opinion. If Jeff were a zero, we would not be, I would not be talking about him the way that I do. I talk about Jeff because he's a great candidate who would do a great job. There is a libertarian running for state auditor. Have you ever heard me mention that person's name once? I've, ne I've never mentioned that person's name. You know why? Because they haven't earned, they haven't earned it for me. I talk, and, and most of the time when we talk about Todd Young, it's what a colossal failure Todd Young is. Because let's face it, and I like James. James Siniak is a, is a good guy. I think he's got a future. I think he'll be much better if he decides to run for something again because it's an experience. Mm -hmm. But we talk about Jeff because Jeff is an A-plus candidate. Mm -hmm. Jeff Moore, the Secretary of State candidate, is A-plus. If he were a Republican, because many of his views are in the traditional conservative mold of, of what it is to be a Republican, he would win 60% of the vote and we would not be having a conversation right now. That's what we should want. We did get one other question. Somebody had a question about where they vote because now the Diego potentially illegally voting mm -hmm. thing has got sparked nervous. all sorts of questions like, yeah. am I breaking the law? Right. right go ahead. Hey, I have a question. Um, well, first off, I want to say I love your guys' show. I listen to on my mail route every day. Um, but my question is similar to the question I just heard on the radio. And I moved, uh, bought a house, um, and I moved um, back in April, May, and I didn't get my license changed until I went in to renew my license plate on the vehicles. And he told me that I can't vote now because it's too late to register. Well, I've already registered at the old address, and I'm in the same township. I'm in the same town. I'm in the same county, same township, and everything. So I would still be voting for the same people, but I'm, you know, where I'm at now or where I was at, you know, before because 
they're like drive time, five minutes apart from each other. So it's not like I've moved from, like you said on the last call, from Avon to Plainfield. I, you know, moved within Martinsville to Martinsville. Okay, so I'm going to take a stab at this. Mm -hmm. I want to clarify this by saying you need to call your county election headquarters. You can do that today, and they will be able to give you the official ruling on this. This I'm taking a stab at this. <laughs> this is not legal advice. This is just a guy playing, taking a stab at something on the radio. They will not prevent you from voting. They, You will need to vote at where you're registered to vote. They do are not in the business of investing, keeping people from voting. Where you're registered to vote at is where you vote at. So you will very likely, and and for the most part now, it is just, the only thing that would be affected like this is like if your city, because Martinsville's a city, your city council races, or if your school board is done based on geography rather than at large, it may affect who's on your ballot to vote for. But in terms of like Secretary of State, State uh, U U.S. Senate, Auditor, Treasurer, those things will all be the same. They're not in the business of preventing you from voting. And when you go vote, they will very just likely ask you, they will, they will ask you the question about whether you're still there or not. Um, and I don't know if you answer no, how that changes, but where you're registered to vote is where you vote from. But please just contact your county election uh, division. I'm sure they're open right now. They're working very hard, I'm sure. They will be able to answer that question for you. And they are, Indiana, like many other states, is in the... It, in the business of wanting people to vote. 317-684-8444. Mm -hmm. That's the phone number. If you'd like to contribute, we would like to hear you. We had one more phone call, but we got to take a break. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And coming up, a letter that I received in a dinner <laughs> that Rob went on. We'll hear about it coming up from 93 WIBC. It is 10.53 and a random, confused, accidental act of journalism from NBC. <laughs> According to their new poll, 81% of Americans are dissatisfied with the economy. It is the second highest on record. And we go to the man with two first names. It's Chuck Todd time. And here's, the to me, the number you probably ought to care about the most in this poll. The state of the U.S. economy. 81% tell us they're dissatisfied. This is the second highest number we've ever recorded. The last time it was this high was just before the 2010 election. And you know how that one went. Yeah. And, and the Democrats are going to pay for it, and they're going to pay up and down the ballot. And here's one more piece of audio with Chuck Toddy. It's Sean Patrick Maloney, who's the head of the uh, Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee. He's getting grilled uh, over the assertion, and Chuck Todd does a nice job here, that it's not just bad messaging for the Democrats. Mm -hmm. People aren't against you because you got bad messaging. You have bad policy. You know, based on all of your answers to me, it sounds like you don't believe Democrats did anything wrong. You believe if you don't do well, it's simply you had you had bad messaging or you didn't communicate it right. Is that is that your basic take here? Well, first, first of all, neither you or I know what's going to happen on Tuesday. So what do you say we wait to see? But secondly, oh, yeah. look, what I'm telling you is we're not perfect, but we are responsible adults. <laughs> we know it's going to happen. I've been seeing all weekend long people saying, hey, before you go vote, go fill up your car with gas, yep. go buy some groceries, mm -hmm. look at your 401k, and then go vote. And the idea that you think what you've done to this country the past two years is a responsible adult, his word, mm -hmm. not mine, his mm -hmm. words, not mine, tells you everything you need to know. If you vote for these people again, they think they've acted like responsible adults. Nothing's going to change.
You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning. Come along, come along with me. Come on around. 